Welcome, welcome, welcome to the inaugural or pilot episode of Horrorversary. I'm your host on this little jaunt through filmdom, I guess we can say. My name is Adrian Torres, and I know that you're thinking to yourself, Adrian, what is Horrorversary? Well, if you think very simply, it kind of gives away the whole process in the name itself. This is a podcast that's going to be celebrating horror movies that are celebrating anniversaries. And now what I mean by anniversaries is not going to be the little piddly couple years. I'm sticking in the hard tens when it comes to 10, 20, 30, 40 year anniversaries. Like when you're dreading going back to your high school reunion or you're trying to think, oh, this is a big relationship anniversary. What do I get for somebody? That's the movies that we're covering. So if you're listening to any episode that's going to come out in 2018, we're going to be covering films from 2008, 1998, 1988, 1978, 68, and even 58, because if you go back, then you can still find stuff. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, there's lots of anniversaries for movies, so what makes this special? Well, everybody knows when E.T. comes out on its 30th anniversary that people are going to buy it. Your mom's going to buy it. Your grandma's probably going to buy it. Somebody who's never seen the movie knows E.T., and they're going to pick that up. The difference is, is when it comes to horror fans, they're going to pick up a movie that only 15 people know about, that they're putting out a $40 30th anniversary of. Because when it comes to all of film fandom, you're never going to find anyone as beautifully, weirdly passionate about their genre of film as horror fans. And we're going to be covering both big films that you know of and also some smaller ones that you may not heard of. I will say that because this is going to be, you know, going to be down a road where we're looking at these films and talking to very, very passionate people that spoilers are going to be involved. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're a a very big horror fan and b you've probably seen these films. Now, the whole antithesis of this is just wanting to get together with people who are either filmmakers, film critics, podcasters, producers in either the horror vein or just love film to come in and talk about these luminaries. And like I said, you're going to have things that are high, like we're going to have a Halloween episode this year. We're also probably going to have an episode of um, Dead Heat or Pin or uh, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. If any of those excite you, you've come to the right place. Now, Tonight's episode that we're talking about is a classic. Now, it's not necessarily maybe the classic that you think of those high luminaries, but it has a huge brethren. It's got a special edition that you can get on Blu-ray from Scream Factory. That's usually when it comes to the cream of the crop, when it comes to people who love horror films or genre outings. Now, when it comes to discussing a film like this, you have to obviously talk about the opening scene, which is okay. That's that's our guest, and so I I, I do apologize. N- next time, I'm gonna have it better, and I'm going to be able to get through the simple description of the film. But we we've got our guests here, and they are brilliant people when it comes to the the, the world of horror and podcasting. I, I mean, it's in the title of their podcast show, which is Nightmare Junkhead. 
these two gentlemen, you may have heard of their shows. And when we're recording this right now, we're on the cusp of March. And recently in Kansas City, there was a little film festival that was called Panic Fest. And they actually got an awesome shout out from the hosts of the movie Crypt, none other than Adam and Joe. And if you don't know about that podcast, check that out. But that's that that's entirely different. But please help me having inaugural test pilot episode. Welcome to none other than Greg D and Genius McGee. How are you guys doing? Hey, I, I have like a laundry list of thank yous. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but ultimately, I do have my invitation here, Adrian. There so I'm, I'm ready to party. You're ready to party. You're invited to the party that, of course, I always find it funny when when you're listening to people talking about like podcast episodes and the title's there at the beginning. Everybody knows what it is. <laughs> That's why I didn't listen to the movie. But if you listen to the first couple of minutes and you just clicked on it and you were listening, of course, we're talking about 1988's Night of the Demons. I am so beyond excited for this film, and there's so many reasons. Number one, obviously, it's a wonderful film, but it's one of the... We were talking a little off-air, and I don't know how personal we're going to get on you know, the <laughs> podcast, <laughs> but when you get older, it's so much harder to make and meet new friends. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, number one, I'm just happy to be on the podcast here with you guys, but you guys are friends of mine now, and... This friendship probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this film. <laughs> like, this film is the genesis of so many things, mm -hmm. um, especially for Genius and myself. Um, before Nightmare Junkhead, there was the Nerds of Nostalgia, which is another podcast we do. Before Nerds of Nostalgia, there was... <laughs> in the beginning. In the beginning. <laughs> but there was, uh, it was the Dedrick Movie Night podcast. And that all stemmed from a movie night I did in my house. And I met Genius initially mm -hmm. through all of that. And I had him on the then Dedrick Movie Night podcast, which literally had a listener of one, me, myself, and I, because <laughs> I did it for myself because of the little movie night I put on. But the very first episode he was on, he was just this guest. He was just a guest on my podcast, right? But we were talking of a Linnea Quigley double feature, and we talked about <laughs> Return of the Living Dead mm -hmm. and, and Night, Night of, the of the Demons. And then we just like, did we just become best friends? Yup. And so, <laughs> and so there was like this instant chemistry and just this instant connection. And then we just started doing more and more things. And here we are today on this inaugural episode. Well, and that actually is a perfect lead-in for the first question that I that I have for you guys. And since we have you on, I'm going to do a little over-explaining for the listener, but it's it's the first episode. You want to bring you in. I want to explain this to you. So this is basically going to be a glorified gush session mm -hmm. when it comes to talking about these movies and what they mean to people. And this is a movie that's hitting its 30th year anniversary. So we're going to be diving into what works about the film. What is it that sets it apart from other horror films? What is it that brings people back to this film that you get excited when it's celebrating its 30th anniversary in 10 years from now, when it comes to the 40th, when people are so jazzed about it, what is it? And because you guys saw the movie recently, we're also going to dive into, is it still worthy of that title? But the first question that everybody's going to be asked is, do you remember the first time you saw this film? I do, actually. I was sitting on my couch and... I just finished watching this show on USA and it was called like Nightmare Theater and it was like a little horror clip show hosted by Freddy Krueger by Robert England, right? And then in their intro, they had a scene from uh, from Night of the Demons where like Raj is kind of freaking out and it's like, like that and that was part of the intro and then it was like, that is cool as hell. What, what movie is that? And then in the credits, it says Night of the Demons. 
And ironically, I was like, I want to see this movie. Coming up next on USA, Night of the Demons. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so I saw it. Unfortunately, I saw it edited. You but, saw it edited. You saw it cut, man. But that night, I was like, hey, let's go to the video store. And I rented a whole bunch of videos, and Night of the Demons was one of them. And so... You then saw it uncut. And then I saw it uncut. And, oh, well, we'll probably we'll get, get into, into that. We'll get, we'll get into we'll that. Get into we'll that. That. get into that. Once again, I apologize, Monica. <laughs> we'll get into that. But okay. but what about you, Greg? No, this was, unfortunately, I didn't see this in the theater. This is one definitely I caught on home video the first time. The first time I don't remember distinctly because for the longest time, I had a hard time renting it. And even at that age, it's hard to imagine because it's an 88, so I was all of 12 at the time. So it probably came out in 89 on home video. But honestly, the cover art scared the hell out of me. And we're looking yeah. at it right mm -hmm. now. And it's a testament, number one, to just Steve Johnson's special effects work, but also that's just genuinely scary. Yes, them and teeth is gnarly. It's a this was a, it's a scary demon flick. Yes. and it took me a while to get to it, but when I finally did, it was joyous. It was just one of those, not necessarily a dare film for me, but once I finally just got over the fear, you yeah. conquered your night of the demon. <laughs> since, since this is a, a, an audio podcast, of course, visuals oh. don't. Don't unfortunately work. So if you're listening to this, just quickly go online and put Night of the Demons VHS cover mm -hmm. or poster. Because if you try to look up a, a picture in general, you're going to get the artwork for the special edition. Which is phenomenal. Right. Which is great in its own. Or, or but, an ad for Maybelline. Exactly. So so if you want the, <laughs> the the full effect, then make sure to, to find that original artwork. Because it's great. It has a little invitation that comes in the set that, that Greg... W welcomed himself in with I thought I was invited I had the invitation oh, you, go. you got the invitation I just have to go door to door knocking on the, like his party here okay cool I thought it was going door to door say hi I'm genius McGee. well no I'm see a... that's the thing I have to say I have to say I'm moving into the neighborhood first and then when I'm like okay, because cool, you're a horror hound is, the, is the party here right? at, at least you don't have a partially torn map to get you to to the location that would be rough that would be very rough <laughs> or try to all pile into like stooge's car yes you know just like Rah! if you guys are, are able to can you give for for the people who might not um, be familiar with it what what would you say a quick short synopsis for this movie is it's a perfect halloween film if you want demonic possession gratuitous nudity wonderful special effects and an awesome score. Nice, nice. It's perfect. Anything, mm -hmm. anything to add? Um, a quintessential '80s party movie. Ooh, it, it, it. This is a film I think that works well both as just the main feature, like mm. a sit down. This is right. like this is the film that you end your marathon with. And or, a great like party in the background. Plus, it's a party movie because it's about a party. That's the great thing about it. Like yeah. it's, it's 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 it literally is a party movie, even though like evil demonic shit happens. But you can throw it on in the background, and the people are like, "That's cool." Whoa, what, what happened here? Yeah, because so. you're gonna get those moments that people uh -huh. stick out. Like just for example, like Linnea's entrance into this film. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of actors they get the nice pan up, and it's up to their face. Yes, not Linnea. Not this particular one. This is what you will talk about a movie that just in terms of watching it the first time really sticks out. That first time I watched it, it was one of those moments I was kind of looking over my shoulder the entire time. I became a man that day. Because I, I didn't want the parents to walk in on this. Like the gratuitous violence 
no problem. But yeah. anything that bordered on the sexuality, it was the Catholic, you know, upbringing, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> would always kick in. And it, it was just literally one of those over the shoulders. But what a grand entrance. <laughs> and it's, it's Linnea. She gets it. And mm-hmm. you talk about what makes the film memorable. But for me, like from the moment this movie kicks off, even to this day now, yeah. I get this like Pavlovian grin, just this response, because it's the um, Paragon Arts international logo yes that blue logo that kicks off everything and i know what's ahead but it's almost like we're rosebud yes it's evil om- dead too it's like you as soon as you see that road like yes and evil dead too just so hopefully you guys know how attuned genius and i are he carries no <laughs> notes yeah i have notes Look what's after mine, uh, the uh, Paragon Arts International, Rosebud, Evil Dead 2. Yep. Holy shit. Exactly. <laughs> we just become best friends again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it, 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 it dovetails into what, what helps, I think, set this movie apart in the fact that it has uh, almost almost ornate, in a way, the, the opening animated title sequence. Mm-hmm. The music is fucking stellar, and you have that, like weird trippy yet kind of old schooly animation going on exactly it's like once again like another time another place but it's, it's very ethereal and it's that that it's just creepily good kathy Zelinsky put together the animation sequence for this and like you said it sets the tone yes of what comes with this film because this film works i think because it's equal parts campy and menacing it's yeah. spooky and fun yes it really is and, and it's and it's dirty it, it explores all of that, but this is just like you mentioned the the this theme that plays underneath mm-hmm. all the animation. It's this combination, yeah. Because yes. this theme, I think, is also severely, severely underrated. Would, would you say? I, I, some people might say that that this is sacrilegious, but would you say that not only is it emblematic of of the '80s, but would you say that it also feels like Carpenter light in a way? This the score, yes. Oh, absolutely. And I'm okay with that because as long as even if it's a good enough facsimile and it just gives me a little, hey, I can dance to it. Yeah. Because listen, it's, it's almost got a. It's a Carpenter remix. <laughs> like if, you know, like John Carpenter and Lil John, but not, I mean, I mean, just like a remix type thing. Yeah. Cause it's, well, here, listen, know, listen, yeah, listen yeah. to the drop. Here we go, right here. Hopefully you can hear and that. Then, Otherwise, it's oh, going to we'll be a little bit in. in the background, but no. Honestly, that's what works for me. Again, yeah. just that combination. And then Kathleen Zielinski, she actually was talking about how she was drawing influence from um, Night of Bald Mountain. Yes. Mm. Yeah, you the, can totally you hear it. feel that. Especially in just the way. And the, it's almost like charming, mm-hmm. the way the animation hits. Well, because it's and, old school. It's old school, new school type thing. It's just, like you said, the animation, it, it's beautiful. It is, but then, but it's, but almost betrays of the then the violence that mm-hmm. you know, yes. comes after that. Well, but it, it, okay, go with me for a second and and riff on this if you want, because I'm very interested to to get your opinion on it. Seeing the movie again recently it was something that stood out with me, and you use the word remix, and in a way, Night of the Demons feels like for the '80s the perfect B mix reside of a whole bunch of horror that's coming out of there when it comes to the horror comedy because if you're paying attention to like lots of the the actual dialogue in the film it's it's stilted it, it's not the greatest but it's it's not in a way that it's like oh they're doing it comedically it's it's people who care about the craft of everything else in the movie and the story and the dialogue of what people are saying are almost secondary 
So, but it has all those those tenets. Do, do you feel that would be a good characterization uh, of the film? I agree, and well, and it's it's one of those elements of the film that I, I appreciate because ultimately it knows it's a camp film. It yes. knows it's a horror film, but it's not winking at you, no. at least not obnoxiously. Uh, even And one of the reasons I love Linnea so much is I think she carries a lot of the characters she plays in such a way that she knows exactly what kind of films she's in. Absolutely. So and she can lay on right. like some of her deliveries. Like, I want to look good for the, the boys. boys. You guys got sour balls, you know? It's just it's it just works so well with like she said you she knows what she's doing yeah. in in everything but, but all all the actors i think fit, fit into that that and that's like i said it's it's one of those that it's a movie that that works because of all the other elements despite cuz if you this, if you had smaller uh, actors who hadn't really done anything like like amateur actors mm-hmm. and you had um amateur like creature features and, and makeup stuff, then this movie wouldn't wouldn't be the same because you have actors who are buying in and they know how to play it up because it's not just Linnea. It's it's basically everybody who's who's in it is is knows that character that they're playing and how to push the dialogue to the hilt so it almost elevates the text in a way. Mm-hmm. It, and like you said, everybody knows exactly what they're doing. The director yes. knows the director knew what he was doing. He goes, "Let's make it campy and fun." The actors are playing campy and fun. And when you were even saying something like um how the side the, the story and the dialogue kind of takes a back seat, I think with a premise like this and with the characters, the story almost is so universal it can tell itself, mm-hmm. but the actors and just even the dialogue just carries it to the next level because how many times have we seen um uh haunted people sexy teens trapped in a haunted mortuary or a party gone bad Mm -hmm. but the thing about this because they know that they're making something so fun they inject their own fun into it and it just makes it that much more sweeter let's jump into to talk a little bit about the actors We'll, we'll we'll brush on each person um very lightly but it's the, the characters in this movie almost subvert some of the roles that that you would have them in in, in other films and there's two that that stick out yeah. to me mostly and that's for for the cover art that you have you have Angela who's who's turned into the demonic state who ends up being kind of the staple for a couple of the sequels because she's you know she's on the cover of the second one she ends up in the second one and when everybody's talking about her, they're re- initially mentioning that she's spooky goth girl. Exactly. But then when you actually see her and she's talking at first, she doesn't come off as mm-hmm. as the, the super dark one. And she's actually the voice of reason at first. And she's not even the first person who's possessed. So it's really interesting that that she's playing this completely different character who the image that they have of her in the makeup is the one that that sticks in people's minds the most. And then the second one is Roger. Roger. Mm-hmm. And so I'll let you... I, Greg, Greg is gnashing the script, on, the, I, on, the, on the bit here. So. I, had a, I had a fist bump for that one. I love Roger because Roger, in many aspects, is me in that scenario. <laughs> the minute anything weird starts going down, I'm the first one that's going to call out everything and go, let's just let's blow the joint now. Let's go home. I can We can watch something, another movie. We can record an episode of a podcast. Let's just be anywhere but here. <laughs> and I appreciate the fact that they were able to subvert a yeah. lot of notions yeah. in the horror tropes of the black guy dying first. Mm-hmm. So much so that, spoiler, 
Roger makes, it, makes out it out alive. Yeah. Oh, and he, he's the one who's constantly looking for a way, a way out uh-huh. to get out. And he's the one He's who, a problem solver. He basically is just like, I don't care what type of bodily harm happens to me. I'm getting out of here. Again, I can appreciate it. It's that survival instinct exactly. kicking in. But I will even argue, just in terms of um, Angela, where does she belong in terms of, I would say, icon, like not on the top tier of horror icons, no. but on the next level? Some of the sub-level icons that we get, like a Leslie Vernon, obviously yeah. one that's yeah. kind of up and coming. Uh, Victor Crowley, I would I would feel confident putting Angela in there, which is so interesting because it's Linnea who kicks yeah. everything mm-hmm. off, uh-huh. and, and she's it's oh, this is a very much a misdirection from exactly. the get go. Yeah. yeah, when when you see that that emblem and that and that picture, you're thinking, okay, Angela's going to be the whole thing, but it's well because like we know how much this movie is awesome, and even the cover <laughs> art, but. The new cover art, but I mean, seriously, Night well, of the Demons would not be the same with like it just. Interestingly enough, you mentioned that uh-huh. in terms of the the focus on the cover art with the original, it is all Angela. Yes, with the new one though, look it's who's all in the middle. Yeah, exactly. But for example, for like I would get the the layman or the normie or people when this first came out. If you saw just Linnea with the lipstick heart looking all crazy, mm-hmm. you'd be like, this movie's about this crazy chick. Yeah. But when you have Angela all demoned out, then you're like, okay, this movie's about demons. Even yeah. if it's called Night of the Demons, you just have Linnea like that. So to pose your to answer your question, where did they lie on the thing? I think she's definitely way up there. The fact that even when they made a remake, they made it about Angela and they made like a Shannon Elizabeth the scary Angela now. So she's definitely got her place up there. And then bonus points as well. Night of the Demons Part 2, I believe, is directed by one Brian Trenchard Smith. Nice. So nice. we're a little off my conversations yeah. coming back. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it's, it, but it it shows that there's so many different directions and so many different ways that, that horror is so insular, basically. If there's a film that hits with people, that they'll bring other people into the fold from other horror franchises who are familiar faces to, to continue on the series. And quite honestly, this was one of those films that was kind of a litmus test film in many ways back in the day. It was one of those, oh, do you know Night of the Demons? Yeah. And if someone's like, they can maybe just do a little thing with the lips, or just anything along those lines, it was just that unspoken bond of, yeah, you've seen, you know yeah. that particular <laughs> film. It's, and because it's a horror film, and of course it has demons in the titles, you, you know that there's going to be a level of effects that, that, that take front and center. Yeah. So for, for each of you guys, I have the question of what... What is it about the effects in this movie that set it apart from other horror films that are coming out around then? The the simmering of Angela's flesh and that finale and that big reveal when all the demons are coming after them. But when she's like, where's you going? The party's just begun. And she, you can just see like half of her face melting off. The, again, that is genuinely scary. That When I rewatched this, that still freaks me out. It's the level of gore and just how mean it looks. Like it looks mm-hmm. like it hurts to be a demon. <laughs> and so hats Steve Johnson's effects work in this are top notch. And I think it's what really elevates the film mm-hmm. to cult legendary status is just the uh, the level of effects that you would expect in 1988. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the effects that I would like to, uh, of course, we're we're gonna get into the lipstick. Thing we'll get to that one. That's the one that like really like once again to answer your question the one that really stood out was like how the fuck did they do that because i was watching a lot of like horror but when i saw it unedited but edited what got me was i really fucking loved the demon in the mirror just that just that puppet we were talking about the puppet it head. 
It looks like like a metal dinosaur version of Uncle Deadly, the Muppet, <laughs> with the tendrils coming yes. out of the nose and all that. But like with, mixed with pumpkin head. Yeah, he lo- and, and he looked like what a demon should look like, and yeah. I was like, that's a great looking demon. And that mirror trick that they did, and I know this is all like I mean, we know how it's kind of done now, but like. When eleven year old, eleven year old me, I'm like, well, that's cool as shit. Well, even the uh, cinematography when you have the individual shards and you get the individual reflections, yes. that's really cool. Yeah, okay. and once again, the 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 cinematography of it when the, just the hallway and the, when Raj's descent into madness and when Angela is oh, floating, s- floating across, genuinely scary. That's what, I'll come back to this film as being a scary movie, as mm-hmm. fun as it is, as campy as it is. We haven't even touched the gratuitous nudity yet. Right. I still think deep and down, it's a scary film. And Evil Stooge is scary as shit too. Evil Stooge is terrifying. Oh, did you do you think that there's enough of it to have it stand out against the the other ones? When it comes to like the horror comedy, do you do you think that that push in the second half of horror over comedy? is what keeps it different because when you look at lots of other horror comedy movies they they constantly try to strike that that middle ground tone mm-hmm. for the majority mm-hmm. of it like they, they really picked a side for the most part in the 80s safer like when it came to this movie i think so and because when the horror hits <coughs> it hits hard the the just the imagery of her what's um it's the main character there uh kathy Mm-hmm. Uh, Judy mm-hmm. climbing up the the barbed wire, the barbed wire, yes. and just getting shredded. And then you get that shot where that's where you see them. Then at the very base of everything, climbing. That's genuinely. It's got good. It's tense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's some good good scares involved with a film that is primarily known for the camp comedy value. Exactly. And so I don't know if it's too much of a tonal shift mm-hmm. because I do think it it kind of elevates the horror for the most part. Yeah. Because you don't necessarily get the over the top hits. It kind of it it does ease its way in mm-hmm. basically. Uh, one of my favorite kills is not even one of the most like gratuitous. Well, it's pretty fucking gratuitous. It's the coffin kill. Oh yes, with yeah. the the uh-huh. off the arm. Ah, I loved that one. And so it's gratuitous, and then it gets gory, but then it still keeps its fun factor in it. Well, of course, because then you have yeah. a separate arm that's moving across. Everyone loves that. <laughs> <laughs> you throw in any kind of you know decapitation animation mm-hmm. in there. The kid, the kids love that. And even it was a great gore effect at the very, very end with the um, old man and the Ooh. apple. Well we'll, we'll we'll save that for a second because I want to come put back a pin to that. in that one. Exactly. Yeah, because exactly. because that and because it was I was a good balance between yeah. comedy as well with the. Yeah. End and we'll 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 get to that. Um, but to to circle back because we we mentioned it a couple times and it's not it's gratuitous in a way, but at the same time it's not. But it's the eighties. It's a horror film. You have Linnea yeah. Quigley, so of course eventually you're you're going to see her assets. I like it spooky. So it, it's in the contract somewhere. Exactly, and, and but in each time that they have it, it's usually a big set piece, and whether it be. With deer antlers, yeah. Whether it be in the middle of a graveyard, uh-huh. maybe a shower head, exactly. Yeah. So, so talk talk a little because it, it it matches again that 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 balance of of horror and comedy in, in the same way. No, that's all horror. That's all horror. That fucked me up. What a one of those okay so so what so watching this unedited was one of my first like forays into like. VHS nudity, I should say. 
So I'm watching this unedited, and I'm like, okay, cool. I like where this is going. She's a, that's kind of sexy, but you know all that. And then like I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? When you want to talk about Linnea set pieces, putting a entire lipstick container, lipstick and all, into your tit, and then just like whoop, and then just acting like nothing happened, blew my mind. I was like, do they really do that? Is that how it goes? Because like I've seen women in the store put like shit in their bra, right? Is, is, is how how does that happen? What is that? What's going on? So like I said earlier, sorry, Monica. Um, I I didn't know. I'm <laughs> it's one of those moments you mentioned before with special effects. Most of the time, you think special effects. You think the eighties. You think nasty gore. Mm-hmm. This is one of those rare effects that's no gore involved, but it induces more trauma. I yes. think than any of those scares. Yes. <laughs> if it's if there's something like when, when it if you're putting something in the time capsule for for this movie, it's one of like if you ask the majority of people about Night of the Demons, it's going to be one of the first things that they mention. They're going to mention Angela's makeup. And they're going to mention the Lin- lipstick scene. The, uh, Linnea's makeup. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it's, it, it's unfortunate that's what we're talking about because you... you no, you, I don't think it's unfortunate. Well, no, it no, it's, the... it's a genuine set piece, exactly. much like yeah. James Wood's whole um, stomach vagina in mm-hmm. Video Drill. Yes. And actually, yes. if you go by, if you watch the behind... You go to the Scream Factory Blu-ray, uh, they actually do a really good behind-the-scenes thing, and they go into how they did it. And once you find out... Because when I saw that the first, it, it again, blew my mind. Yeah, like you said, I didn't know if that was how anatomically correct that was truly. <laughs> right. But when you find out, you go, "That's incredible." Yeah, it works. It's so simplistic, mm-hmm. but it's so, and that's why it works. I think is it's simplistic, yeah. and I think it's such standoutish. Is standoutish, because, <laughs> right? Because one, you really don't see it every day. No, you do not. And, well, and it's a great way to. And it's not. I don't think it was gratuitous. I think it kind of added to the story, not just because you know booze, but but it, it. What better way to prove that you're supernatural than doing some supernatural shit? Yeah. I mean, anybody can be like. Ram monster, but if you're there and you put lipstick in your boob, you are not of this earth anymore. And what <laughs> better way to draw in that 13 year old boy? Hello yeah. there, little Greg. Right, making you feel all naughty. God, and that's because it's titillating at the beginning. It's extremely titillating because she's there, getting ready for the bull, and then like. Like, and I, I just know that's when my folks would probably walk in on me <laughs> right when that would happen just a, just a, just everybody in echo what the fuck and it would be right time. when you get the little of yeah, the, the lipstick the, coming out right when they walk in but, uh. but it, it, it it also at the same time hits a hallmark of of the 80s film because it, it has the three b's booze blood and boobs. Boo. Oh, I was going to actually go down below. I oh. didn't know how. <laughs> no. Because, and again, Lene, I don't know. I'm not getting creepy here. But yeah. again, when you're 13 year old and you're watching this, and you're f- watching it for certain things. And the first thing you see is just like. Full frontal Linnea. And yeah. that was an, that was an economy back in the day. That was something that I'm and not to be gross, but it was no. something like you said, it was a bonus, if you will, of the horror film, of the horror genre. You expected it? It yeah, was there, a there simpler time back then. We didn't have the internet, so <laughs> and we also, had to get our boobs the old fashioned It's a low-budget horror flick. And yes. yeah. That's what sells. And, and <laughs> You want to make a movie, you gotta have boobies. It's it's the sad truth of the way it was. Mm-hmm. Would, you, would you also agree that one of the, one of the things that, that's 
I, I guess all these films have, and maybe it's what helps set this a little bit apart is because of that low budget, you only have enough time that you're going to, you've got a, a certain time constraints that you're going to be filming in that you might have some non sequiturs in there that maybe begin or end the film that, that go off in a different direction, but still are things when it comes to this film stand, stand out. Do, do you think that's what helps these movies in the 80s stay fresh nowadays because you have things that aren't really connected to the rest of the film that are just as memorable as those bigger set pieces? Absolutely. It's sometimes the sum of the parts are greater than the whole, and I think this is one of those cases. Because I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Night of the Demons is a better movie than The high, Fly. High cinema. Yeah. Right. But it's one of those that I can enjoy for those reasons. Yeah. And it's all of those things that make the 80s what it was, what it was so grand to go and see a horror film back in 1988. And even if you're seeing it for the first time on video in 89 or what, it was just still wonderful because, you, like you said, you got those those epic three Bs, if you will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you talk about just kind of the, the interconnected parts. And you talk that, that opening and, yes, the, and then and the closing. closing. Yeah. yeah, It's so weird because that draws upon the urban legend at the time and i don't know if you guys remember that that very re real mm. fear oh they still do every halloween they fucking say okay bring your uh candy to blah 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 church and we'll throw it through the x-ray machine oh i even remember uh, it was uh there were like old hippies down the street don't take anything from them because there was going to be drugs in them yeah but yeah the razor blade and the apples and oh and even going back to like uh i guess this would have been 81 when it came up but halloween 2 yeah, that just that one little yeah. bit where you see the kid. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm like, oh, we'll go to the doctor. Why would the doctor see us? And you're like, holy shit! But the you... cantankerous old man. Mm -hmm. Get off my lawn. They almost kind of uh, makes me want to draw a parallel over to trick or treat, mm -hmm. and yeah. what you shouldn't be doing in tr regarding respecting the the Halloween because this is a this Halloween is a Halloween movie. movie. This yeah. is set on Halloween. It has the Halloween urban legends. This is a great Halloween movie. But I think you got to have, when you said the non-sequiturs, especially in the 80s, to make something that out, to outshine cream of the crop type thing, you got to have a good what the fuck factor. You know, and shit like wow, it's... shit like the, the, the lipstick boob and the apple out of nowhere, that little like bonus kill is makes the, the good what the fuck factor. Yes. But very much agree, and it's such a cruel bonus kill as well. It yeah, is I don't I'd almost want a, a separate movie of of their life because you see what builds right. up to it. Yeah, you see the very beginning, and then you see the very end. They're there in bosom. They're not in the rest of the movie. They don't wander into the house or anything like that. I think they had a good night's sleep. I think she mm -hmm. slept well and was just like you know what plan of the day. Or ultimately, though, technically, it's it's so weird because they keep it a little ambiguous. Yeah, because he had the left. I don't know. No, don't it, know. it was it totally was the old lady. She is because she because she she pats him on. She goes that happy Halloween, yeah. yeah, because she's tired of him not celebrating Cantankerous. Halloween, and she's an agent of Sam. Ooh, oh, there we go. Michael Dorney, there's I'm, your chance. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the Night of the Demons is a great Halloween movie. They, they well, make like. Let me throw this out anthologies. to you. There, okay. I'm gonna throw it back on the host. This is a Halloween film. Yes. Do you feel movies that have a set holiday or a set theme, a set time, can be joy and enjoy can be enjoyed outside of that set time? Yeah, and, and I mean that's another thing when it comes to to horror is mm -hmm. you you think about stuff like rare exports. Mm -hmm. You know that people are going to watch that any time of the year. Black Christmas, people are going to throw it on at Halloween, even though it is a Christmas movie. Halloween. And so, some of these films, you. you 
you have a reverence for them that it doesn't matter when you what time of the year it is yeah. that you're going to watch it at any time because you might be at a certain mood and you're like you know what I haven't watched this movie in a long time and you might have that friend who's like it's not Halloween and then you give them that look and you're like does that matter <laughs> and, and that's that, that, that's a special feature that that horror movies has compared to other ones yep. you know when it comes to um I'm blanking on it. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street. You're, you're going to watch that at Christmas time. It's a Wonderful Life. You're going to watch that at Christmas time. Not Night of the Demons, when the mood strikes you. Right. You're going to go out of your way to hold that and certain ones for Halloween, but you're still going to say, you know what? I, I kind of want to watch Night of the Demons. You know what? I haven't watched Trick or Treat in a while. Oh, my God. That's 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 so much fun. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's what hits you differently when it comes to horror is that you can put it on at any time that the mood strikes you, even if it is something that's very specific to a certain uh, holiday or time of the year, because it's timeless in a way. That's why we're talking about these movies 30 years later is because they have that timeless factor. Now. We, you guys have seen the movie again recently. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that it is still at this time worthy uh, of that reverence of that joy that we have to it thirty years later? I I think so, but I'm also <laughs> when you were like watching Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, I'm just thinking of somebody lying in the hammock on a nice May spring day, <laughs> like you know what. I want to watch a movie about Santa Claus. <laughs> <And> <laughs> no, but. <clears throat> I think for all these things and more, this movie definitely holds up. I mean, even just rewatching it a while ago, it was it's comfort food. And it's not even and this is a movie that not only that you know it's like it's like when you have one of your favorite dishes, right? One of your favorite foods and you can eat any time, but your friends really don't know about it. You can like, Hey, let's go to this restaurant. They got this really good thing, you gotta really fucking try it, you're gonna love it. And when they love it, then you know that movies like this can hold up. You know what I'm saying? That's mm -hmm. kind of a convoluted, roundabout way, but... It works. I know this film holds up really well because we do a <laughs> yearly Nerdoween uh, horror marathon mm -hmm. of which you've been able to partake in. The very first year we did it, we did a theme of demons. <laughs> and we uh, opened up with demons. Mm -hmm. And then our second film was Night of the Demons. And a majority of the audience had not seen the film. And so we got to see people react to the film. And oh, did they react. It was wonderful because I had never really seen it on the big screen. Uh -huh. Yeah. And people lost their shit. They lost their shit at the, all the right moments. They were laughing at all the moments. So it still worked well with the crowd that had seen it for the first time. Yeah. That was comforting. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, yeah. I, and if someone doesn't like this film, I understand. It's not for everyone. But man, when you get it. Yeah. When you can hear computer date and you go, oh, it sounds like Thin Lizzy, you're like, you're damn right it does. <laughs> you get it. Again, it's the shared language. It's just that commonality. It's yeah. the, the, the the tribe speak. It's, it's as you said, it's comfort food. Mm -hmm. is, is there anything better or anything more nerve-wracking than showing somebody a horror film that you love for the first time? Oh, it is. It's especially when you're unsure about the, if that person's going to like it or not. It, it's... When you're like, for example, like I'm like, hey, Greg, check this out. You're gonna like, I think you're gonna like this movie. And nine times out of ten, even vice mm -hmm. versa, nine times out of, it's we do. But like, say for example, if I show like Dustin, who's not well versed in horror, my friend Dustin, I'm like, hey, D, check this movie out. You're gonna like it. He's like, oh, this is kind of lame. I'm like, God damn it. You know, it's like, why don't you like the things I like? You know, <laughs> and that just goes for everything. You know, I mean, Life Force. 
for example. <laughs> I love Life Force. You love Life Force. When we showed Life Force, people were like, they either loved it or they're like, what the fuck was that? It, it's just so polarizing. You're like... But honestly, as long as it elicits a response, even if it's yes, negative, even yes. if they're like, oh, that's the worst thing I've ever seen, I'm okay with it. As long as they're not like, eh. Yeah. Eh, what do you think? Because eh. if you watch Night of the Demons and you're just like, eh. Meh. You didn't watch Night of the Demons. <laughs> or you skipped out on some very crucial scenes. So <laughs> as long as then if you can go, it was the, one of the greatest things I've ever seen or the worst pieces of trash, that's fine. Yeah. Just, I want it mm-hmm. to elicit a reaction. So as long as it elicits something, that's fine. I just indifference. Ah. Speaking of elicited reaction, w- to wrap up this conversation, we have one final question for you guys. It's a very simple thing, but what moment stands out with you the most from this film? <sighs> Lipstick. I mean, by far. I mean, we talked about it earlier. It shook me to my core. It <laughs> the blossoming of Genius McGee might not have happened if it wasn't for Night of the Demons. I mean, it was just so the stars aligned to make this weird what's going on and still like you said when you talk about it's either going to be angela's makeup or linnea's makeup so for me it's the the lipstick scene i'm gonna i'm gonna be just low-hanging fruit just as predictable as possible but yeah it all goes back to the vh cover for me just it tempting me saying greg are you gonna rent me finally and enjoy it <laughs> and buy me and i finally Do you did come to the party <laughs> It's just started. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got to go with, yeah, Angela, just the, the VHS cover for myself because it was just a rite of passage for me to finally embrace what was on that inner celluloid, and it was delicious once I finally got past it. I'm very surprised that neither one of you went with uh, the moment that sticks with me the most, which is Rogers breaking through the the double door to get outside when they're cornered by everybody and he just looks around and he goes you're not gonna get me and he goes through because it's <laughs> it's one of those those moments if you look at and it's a weird trend that you have as th- this is 88 you look at horror movies coming out nowadays and you don't have lots of those moments where people are like this is a bad situation here's a way for me to get out of it i'm going to to take it and so this movie was was smart enough to be like if you're in the situation and you want to survive, you're going to do whatever you can. And so that that's the moment that sticks with me probably the most. Don't go investigate that noise in the woods. Don't <laughs> see what's in that creepy basement. A bonus shout out to the Exodus bonded by blood sticker on Stooge's car, which I don't know, know if this necessarily makes this a heavy metal horror film. But Stooge's car was it was a piece of shit jalopy. But at the same time, it was kind of cool, although he is a terrible driver and just an, kind of an awful person. Why but- don't you just go eat a big bowl of fuck, genius? Come on. <laughs> With my sour balls. Well, I want to thank you guys for, for coming on for this inaugural episode. It, it, it means it means a lot to not only have friends, but then people who are well-versed in horror and have a, you know, a love for this genre and, and have it be a part of their, their life. So, of course, we have to ask, where can you guys be found online, and is there something that you would like to promote right now? Well, sure. Uh, Nerds of Nostalgia, you can find at non-podcast on Twitter and Nerds of Nostalgia Facebook. Uh, and Nightmare and Junk is on Twitter at Nightmare Junk. And, um, yeah. Nightmare Junkhead on Facebook. And then, of mm-hmm. course, in the month of March, we are doing the Into the Mouth of March Madness Tournament. We pit... Let's see here. It's going to be 8, 16, 24, 32, uh, 32. horror films mm-hmm. against each other. March Madness-style basketball. It's a lot of fun. We have other podcasts on. And I know you were going to be doing the new one here. We could have seen you about that. But no, it's a lot of fun. Please check it out. It's uh, through the Phantom Podcast Network. But we've also got some very special guests, some really other good podcasts coming on. It's a lot of fun. 
Awesome. Awesome. Do do check it out. Of course, you can find this podcast on Twitter at Horrorversary, spelled exactly like it sounds. Part of the reason why I went ahead and grabbed <laughs> it. I was just like, it sounds like a fun name. And oh, my God, I can get an email. I can get Twitter. I don't have to do anything weird, so you can find it there. Um, we're going to possibly be putting this out on a podcast network soon, so maybe that's how you found out about this episode. Um, but do check back in. We have so many people that, that are going to be coming onto this show. I, I There's another 20 people that we have that are set with movies. And while I can't necessarily tell you any of the names because I, I want to keep it kind of a secret, we've got some big people in both the podcasting world, in the the film world, and in the critical world. So it's going to be lots of fun. But I don't, I don't think people really truly understand just how deep some of these years go. So like 1988, you've got The Blob 88. You've got Brain Damage. You've got Child's Play. You've got, some people might not like it, but I mean, it's still on there. It's You've got Friday the 13th, 7, The New Blood. You've got Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Phantasm 2. You've got Halloween 4, The Returns. You've got Monkey Shines, Maniac Cop, Pumpkinhead, Prison. I know there's like five people out there, but Prison's on there. Harlan fans out there. Exactly. You've got Waxworks. You've got Lady in White. They... What, wait, what's that? What the? Oh, they live. That's right, you guys. That's just 88 in and of itself. And I, you, you think about other time periods and stuff like that. And, and 88 is big. But even in 98, you have fun stuff like Apt Pupil, Deep Rising. Exactly. <laughs> oh, There's yeah. a little moment right there. There's a little moment right there. You've got Ringu. One of the main movies that kind of started that wave of not only adaptations, but the new horror world that, that we exist in nowadays. In 2008, you had stuff like Cloverfield, Let the Right One In, Martyrs, Midnight Meat Train, uh, Pontypool, The Strangers, Tokyo Gore Police. And of course, there was one decade that I wanted to stop and, and have a, a little focus on because this is a big year and you might not have paid attention and realize it. But 78 has some of the luminaries when it comes to horror and genre films. You've got Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You've got Dawn of the Dead. You've got a little movie that's called Halloween. And we are going to be covering all these films. So I really hope that you guys check back and join us on this wonderful journey. Until then, take care.